Good to have you all here today. My voice is doing something really weird, so if you can't hear me, just let me know, and I'll try and I'll have them turn it up back there. Yeah, what, what? Glasses. Oh, my goodness. I need something to read the paper with, too. All these, all these nice little black little marks on the paper. Look at that. They're words. The last few weeks, we've been uh, talking about living life on purpose. And to help us think about that, we have been looking at the elements of our own church's purpose statement, which are founded on Jesus' words in the Great Commandment as well as the Great Commission. And I have it up here, and I would like, if you would, to read that out loud with me. Just kind of to get those words to roll off your tongue there. They become more familiar as we read them. So if you would join me in reading our church's purpose statement, if you would, please. It's not up there. There it comes. As if you can really read that. Vineyard Church of San Antonio exists to love God and love others by helping one another fulfill their destiny through the lifelong process of encountering God, experiencing friendships, embracing wholeness, and expanding community. Last week we talked about encountering God and the upward life by looking at what the Bible has to say about deep, meaningful relationships. This material is normally uh, uh, presented in the past by me relative to our Um, horizontal relationships, but last week I shared this material in thinking through our vertical relationship as well. So just as a a touch of uh, review, uh, because it's also helpful as we go into today's material as well. We first looked at this for intimacy, uh, yada, found in Jeremiah 1.5, which speaks of the need to really know another person. Sod, which speaks of the need for us to be vulnerable. Not only do we need as a part of an intimate relationship to know another, but we also need to allow another to know us. And then thirdly, Sakan, which speaks of the motive behind the knowing of another, which is so that we can be lovingly and caringly involved in their life. In looking at each of these uh, concepts, we considered, you know, what could it look like to deepen our relationship with God uh, through uh, these concepts? What could it look like for us to pursue knowing God more deeply? What could it look like for us to pursue being more vulnerable with God? We talk about, of course, uh, you know, he knows everything, but there's something about connected relationship when we're vulnerable with him and we sort of admit it. Um, We sort of share with him who we really are and trust him with that. And then what could it look like for us to be more caringly involved in what is important to God? Sounds kind of crazy, but uh, I think that's why we were created, so it's a good thing to pursue. We also gave a definition for intimacy, which was deep, mutual self-disclosure to which the response is communicated care. And then finally, we talked about four intimacy ingredients, which are the ingredients or the elements of genuine friendships and are what we need to be cultivating in our relationship with God, our families, our friendships, our community groups, uh, co-workers. The first ingredient we said was affectionate caring which says, I care about you. So it's this outward going out to extend care and uh, interest support to others. The second we said was vulnerable communication, which says, I trust you. Again, that's that element of uh, letting others know us. The third we said was joint accomplishment, which says, I need you. It's that partnering that happens, that um, incredible connectedness that can happen as we do things and share things together. And then the fourth we said was mutual giving, which says, I love you. Again, as we think of each of these, I would encourage you to consider, you know, what could it look like for you to express your relationship with God in some of those kinds of ways? This afternoon, I want to talk about experiencing friendship, sort of that second element of our purpose statement, or what I'm calling living a connecting life. Uh, But before we go there, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have created us Um, to love us, that we are the recipients of such extravagant, incredible love. But not only is that uh, one way, it is intended by you to be both ways. You have created us as well to love you. 
And I welcome you to help us to do that more and more. But then as well, you've created us to love and care for one another. And as we look and consider today, what, is, what, uh, what could it look like in our, some of our relationships to in, experience a greater level of health and wholeness? I ask that you would help us to hear what you have for us to hear today. I welcome especially, Lord, your Holy Spirit to come and reach out to those who are guests today who are, have come seeking. Seeking you, perhaps. Seeking a family to be connected with. Seeking help. Meet them here today. And might they find your church a welcoming place. In Jesus' name, amen. I've got a guessing game for you, okay? What's something we don't need in order to live and breathe, but something we can't live without? Don't just hold your answers. What is something we both give away and receive? What is something that can both heal and hurt? What is something that is available in every part of the world and among every people group and yet most people say is missing from their lives? Friend, friendship? Loving relationships? Once upon a time, people lived in very close family relationships in small villages and communities where everyone knew each other and their kids by name, but that's now just a fairy tale. Today, people live with multi-fragmented family relationships in large impersonal cities where few people know one another except maybe their name. As human beings, we have been created needy. We have been created needing love and relationships. We have been created needing caring friendships. In Genesis 1, after God created the stars and the sun, the earth, the trees, the sea, man and all of creation, each time he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. But when he got to man, he looked at him and said, oops, it's not good for the man to be alone. All of us need and desire good friends. And the reason we do is because we have been created with needs that only others can fill. We have a need for attention. We have a need for approval. We have a need for support, a need for affection, a need for appreciation. We have a need for comfort. All of these needs, when they're not met, we become unhappy unbalanced and emotionally unwell. When they are met, we're more happy, secure, stable people. I think most of us realize that. This afternoon I've asked Heather Newton to share a bit, uh, come on up Heather, about how she and her family have experienced friendship and community at our church here over the last year and a half. Hi. When we first started coming here, we move around a lot. If some of y'all don't know, when we first started coming here, we usually do the church thing. We go on Sundays, don't really get to know people. Most of them don't want to get to know us because we're going to be gone in six or eight months. But um, Clara and Joy really changed that for us. We came here, and now we know almost everyone in the church, and we were able to get involved in ways we never have before. And it has been very, very special when our daughter especially when she went into the hospital, just knowing that I could call Joy and Miss Clara, and then everybody started praying and saved her life. She was not breathing. And they said with mild cases that she'd be there for a week to ten days, so we were thinking a month for her. And she was out in five days. Because the people here who genuinely love y'all, and me, and I love y'all too, cared and prayed and used the Father to do his good work. Or the Father used them. Whatever. Which way it goes. <laughs> and then um, another thing with connection, like the community group. I had never been involved in any type of community group. I'm thinking, yeah, okay, I'll go. I'll listen to the lesson and we'll leave. You know, meet some people. Hey, have some drinks and laughs. But it really is awesome. Like, I so much enjoyed going to the community group that it, I got there and didn't expect people to really care. And, like, I thought it was going to be like every other thing. Yeah, happy. Yay. Had a good, but you could talk about everything. If you had a bad day, guess what? You could talk about it. And they would pray for you. And they would listen to you. And they would relate stories of their lives with you. And then you get to know them. And they get to know you. You get involved in their life. And that has just, just helped me and Dave so much as far as with our walk with God. 
with our family life, with friendships that we haven't been able to have due to stuff like that, and it's just awesome. It's kind of, have a little analogy. Does anybody know what a Tyler tree is? Usually people call it from the south a trash tree because it's just like this big tree wheat that grows everywhere and consumes fields if you don't bush hawk. If you take a Tyler tree and you plant it around a whole bunch of strong pines or strong oaks, it will grow up and be a beautiful, strong tree. But you plant it around a whole bunch of weak Tylers, and it's just a weed that everybody wants to get rid of. That is kind of my analogy for the connection of the friendship that me and my husband have had here. We have always been Christians and always believed, but have always been kind of around a whole bunch of Tyler trees, a whole bunch of people that, you know, weren't really genuine, weren't really into us, weren't really involved. And so, therefore, that blocked us from being involved with them. But since we've been here and we've been around a whole bunch of strong pines and strong oaks, we've flourished. We, it's just wonderful. It's just really, really good. And I just, that's all I have to say. And they're actually leaving in a couple of weeks. So we'll have a chance to say goodbye. But we're going to keep in touch because they have experienced community. You know, our difficulty in relationships is often not so much recognizing the benefits of caring friendships, but also of relationships. So this afternoon, um, in contrast to things I've done in the past, I want to focus our time discussing some of the hindrances to caring friendships, with the goal being to learn to identify, overcome those hindrances, and live more healthy, connected lives. So to do this, I want to look at three verses from the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. We will have the notes up on the screen if you can read them. Yeah, sort of. Here in uh, Ephesians, Paul is writing to a local church, church members and attenders, people that he knows personally, uh, people whose lives he has previously been a part of, many of them anyway. And um, he has been sharing with them a, a variety of different truths and understandings throughout the book of Ephesians. My uh, community group right now is actually going through the whole book of Ephesians and um, actually are right up to about this point. So here we are. Anyway, uh, verses uh, 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I implore you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Paul starts out this section of his letter to these church attenders and members with some pretty strong words. As Christ's prisoner, I implore you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. The word implore in the Greek is parakleo. It has a number of meanings. It means to encourage, to exhort, appeal, plead, beg, or implore. And it is the root of this word is also used in John 14 by Jesus when he speaks of the person and role of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 through 17 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The word helper here used by Jesus as a name and description of the Holy Spirit is parakletos, which means encourager or one called alongside to help. Paul then, as a spiritual leader and a coach for these Ephesian uh, people, is coming alongside them and he is encouraging them, even imploring them to take action in the area of their relationships. And I share that and highlight that just to say that this arena of relationships needs help. I don't know about what your situation and status is in your relationships, but throughout my marriage, Claire and I have needed help. Uh, Within church relationships, I have needed support and assistance at times in order to be able to engage and to work through difficulties and challenges. We're going to touch on some of those. But the point being, it is not inappropriate and, in fact, is appropriate 
to have partnering in this arena. It is an area that we are not trained well in. The training we get as we grow up and in school and various other kinds of places leaves us to a great degree insufficient for the task. And so just as a reminder here that Paul as a spiritual leader is coming alongside to help uh, these individuals in the church at Ephesus. Holy Spirit, of course, is one who comes alongside to help, but we also need one another, which is what we're talking about in connected relationships. In chapter 1 and 2 of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul spoke of our being chosen and called by God. And here in chapter 4, he's now encouraging them to live a life worthy of that calling, that their lives would be aligned with the very calling and destiny of God. As followers of Christ, called and chosen by God to live for the praise of his glory, as Paul says it in chapter 1, our lives ought to look and be different than others who have not chosen to follow Christ. So throughout this chapter, Paul speaks of a number of relational hindrances as well as Christ-like alternatives. And we're only going to look at these first three. I thought I was going to do a lot more, but as I, I got through this material, that was as far as I could go in the time we have. So I want to read it again, just to consider again Paul's words. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I implore you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The first hindrance to relationships Paul identifies here is pride. Have you ever, uh, any of you seen the various times those male grackles, how they sort of puff themselves up and walk around? You've seen that just this week. I was mowing in my yard in the back and the grackles were coming to eat the bugs and stuff that I was stirring up with the mowing process. And here comes this big old male, just puffs, he sort of walks on his tiptoes and he squawks and he flaps his wings. Well, I think that's a great picture of pride. Pride is somebody making a lot of noise about themselves. Look at me, I'm somebody special. Pay attention to me. Squawk, squawk, flap, flap. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul, in contrast to that, says, Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not parade itself around, and is not puffed up. Here's the grackles. Pride is a hindrance to relationships because it places the attention and the focus on oneself rather than having genuine concern for another. We spoke of relationships needing mutual giving, needing joint accomplishment. We need the, the, this element to be backwards and forwards, to come and go. The trouble with pride is that it's selfishness. It's self-focused. The alternative behavior that Paul encourages us to have is humility. And our example for humility was Jesus himself, as Paul tells us in Philippians. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Take a minute and consider. Is it possible there's anywhere in your life where you're strutting around, drawing attention to yourself, rather than humbly caring for those around you? Jesus here was willing not only to extend care, but to actually set his own needs aside. I've said on numerous occasions, the cross was not the best thing for Jesus, but it was the best thing for us. So after each one of these points, I want to just give us a moment, an opportunity to engage with this point and just pause and take a minute to consider, is it possible that there is an area of your life where pride is ruling instead of care? If so, then I would just encourage you to just pause, to tell God your story, sorry, and that you want to see it gone. Because it's a hindrance to the very thing we want, which is caring, healthful relationships. So do that. Would you just reflect for a moment? Is there any area that you need to identify to him and then just tell him you're sorry.
you may want to use your notes to jot down what's coming to you. Each one of these, we're going to have that opportunity at the end to consider if there's something there for us today. Another hindrance that Paul identifies is harshness. And I've got a video clip from The Pursuit of Happiness uh, on this. Very brief. Since when do you not like macaroni and cheese? Since where? What's that? What? What is this? It's a gift for Christopher. From who? Cynthia from work. It's for adults. Chris can't use it. She didn't know. What are you supposed to do with it? Make every side the same color. Did you pay the taxes? No, I'm going to have to uh, file an extension. You already filed an extension. Yeah, well, i got to file another one. That's it's $650. I'll have it in the next month. That means interest, right? And a penalty. Yeah, a little bit. Well, won't you let me do this? All right, just relax. Okay? okay calm down. I have to go back to work. ready for bed. Yeah, put your plate in a sec. Harshness. Kind of close to home. I'm personally amazed these days and startled at how harshly people are with one another in public. And I often think if they're that harsh in public, I wonder what in the world they're like in private. We experience a lot of stress in our society. There's a lot of demands on all of us. Life's pretty high pressure, and often when something doesn't go the way we want, the pot boils over and can often scald those around us, usually those closest to us, like our family members. And in contrast to this, Paul encourages us in the area of gentleness. And again, Jesus is our example, Matthew 11:29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. As I said before, life was not easy for Jesus. There weren't any fast food restaurants. There weren't any Walmarts or Home Depots. There weren't cars, buses, or airplanes. There were, of course, all those religious leaders who were always on his case. And then there was that scourging and cross thing. And he says to us, do you want to experience peace in your life? Then learn from me. I am gentle and humble. Be like me. And I think when we are considering, again, the hindrances, these challenges to relationships, this, these various things that he's identifying here are just regular old, kind of run-of-the-mill, day-in, day-out stuff. And yet, they're the thing that causes the pains and the separations that most of us uh, experience and don't want to. So here at the end of this one, would you take a minute again and just consider, is there anywhere in your life where you're being harsh? might be at home. It might be at work. It might be in the market. It might be on the phone with a customer service rep. If there is, then I would just encourage you, take a minute, tell God you're sorry, and that you want to see that gone from your life. Let's do that. Moving on, number three. Another hindrance that Paul identifies is impatience. Again, probably as a result of our fast-paced society, it's quick pump gas stations, fast food restaurants, drop-off cleaners, and on and on it goes. Most of us are pretty impatient people. Let me just ask you, take a little assessment here. When you approach a red light, do you change lanes to get in the shortest lane? When you're at the market, are you frustrated when there isn't a short checkout lane? And don't answer these questions out loud. Just consider that. When you drive up to the fast food restaurant, do you scan inside to see if it would be faster to go through the drive-thru or go inside? Friends, we are driven people. And we are impatient culture. And it's one of the reasons for our high stress and illness rates. 
And Paul's encouragement to impatience is, of course, patience. Galatians 5.22, he tells us the fruit of the Spirit, the outcome of a Spirit-filled life is love, joy, peace, impatience, no, excuse me, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. For the past few years, I have uh, finally come to the place where I am almost always obedient to the speed laws. It is my intention. Occasionally, of course, you kind of just miss. But I use my cruise control a lot, even, you know, on Bandera or Hebner or something, you know, when you're in Leon Valley there. And one of the benefits that I have experienced is patience and peace. Uh, There was just, and I don't get tickets, too. That one's a good one. I like that one, too. So as we consider what is, what is the potential benefit of patience, it, it, it can produce a lot in us. And so again, it's an area where it is so easy to be impatient. Boy, those customer service reps, isn't that a tough one? doesn't matter whether it's Sprint or Singular or Walmart or Sam's. It doesn't matter, Target. It's always a challenge. God is wanting us to consider Is there an area where we're being impatient? Is there an arena where we need to address it? If there is, again, I would just ask you and invite you, take a minute, identify it to God, tell tell Him you're sorry and that you want it out of your life. And this time I want you to do one more thing. I also want you to consider what action could you take to enable you to be more patient? It's one of the, what are called the spiritual disciplines. It's an ability and opportunity to take action in an arena, in an area, so that we can experience a greater benefit and result. If you're impatient with your kids, could you perhaps make a decision to leave the room and come back when you're calmed down? If you're impatient with a customer service rep, could you excuse yourself from the call and call back later? to experience that wait time again. (laughs) If you're generally impatient at traffic lights, could you begin to change lanes so that you get into the longest lane to help learn patience? Might be crazy ideas, but I would encourage you as you offer this area, this place of impatience to God, I would ask you to consider as well and to ask him what action can you take to see this arena of impatience dealt with? It's a hindrance to health for relationships that we want and need. And so again, take a minute, if you can, decide on an action you're going to take. Maybe write it down so you can look at it later. Just take a minute now and reflect. Okay, number four. Another hindrance Paul identifies is intolerance. Have you ever heard someone say, I just can't stand him, he's such a blankety-blank? Or I just can't stand her, she's so whatever. Have you, happened to have, have you happened to have noticed on the earth, except you and me, and sometimes I wonder about you? You know, it doesn't take much to find something wrong with someone else or something else. But it takes a lot to overlook those things that are wrong. It's pretty easy to look down at others, but it can be hard to put up with others' failures and mistakes and shortcomings. Most of us want others to kindly extend grace to us, but many of us find it hard to do the same for others. So Paul encourages us to bear with one another in love. And honestly, the only way that we can do that with others over the long haul is with God's love. Can't do that in and of ourselves. We run out of the stuff we need. People wear on our nerves. We wear on people's nerves. So something that we have to learn to do if we're going to experience the helpful relationships and friendships that we need and want is to learn to put up with one another's idiosyncrasies with God's help. So take a minute. Think about someone you regularly relate to. Might be your spouse, maybe somebody at work, a neighbor, someone in your community group who you have a hard time getting along with, maybe who irritates you. 
I want you to confess this to God as sin. And then I want you to ask him for his love for this person. And finally, I would encourage you to write the person's name down and I want you to pray for them for seven days that God would bless them. Again, an action we can take to deal with the places where we're missing the mark. Is there somebody that you regularly relate to that you have trouble getting along with or who irritates you? Let's take a minute, reflect on that, pray, and then make a commitment to pray for them for the next seven days. The last thing Paul says in verse 3 is make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Another significant hindrance to relationships is what I call withdrawal or withdrawing. It is very, very common in relationships to give up, to withdraw. That's been the battle for me my whole life. It was again this week. When somebody hurts us, there's two primary reactions. One, we try and hurt them back, self-defense, or we withdraw so we won't be hurt again. Sometimes, though, we withdraw in order to hurt, so we can do both. But none of those responses are God's response. A bit later, just a few verses later in verse 15 of chapter 4, Paul tells us that the way to maturity, the way to healthfulness in relationships is not to withdraw, not to retaliate, but to speak the truth in love. Those of you who are engagers have no problem speaking the truth. The challenge for you is doing it in love. Those of us who withdraw often think we're being loving. The problem is, in our case, that we're not speaking the truth. So Paul does not want us to withdraw from relationships that are challenging, but instead he wants us to make every effort to stay connected while maintaining peace in our relationships. And that's huge. It, it is the challenge at one time or another in every relationship and often many times throughout it. Claire and I have been in ministry now for 30 years. And something that we have found is that most of the time when someone says something that offends someone, the person listening has misheard. Now, that's not what we think. It's not how we act. It's not what we feel. We've heard something, and we think that we heard it correctly, and they've offended us. But rather than being angry and withdrawing or even going to God for help to forgive the person, what we need to learn to do is speak the truth in love. It is the norm for people to mishear one another. What did I just say? Yeah, good, that's close. What did I say five minutes ago? No, I'm just kidding. You know the little telephone tag, little telephone game, you know, you whisper in somebody's ear and he comes around the group and you, you know, we do that with a, with a piece of paper too with pictures, it's cool. Anyway, it is the norm for us to miss here. We're doing something else, we're not paying attention and we're missing. Even if we're paying attention, we're not getting it often. And so what we need to learn to do is not just believe that what you heard was what you thought you heard, is not what they said. I've got a cute cartoon for it, but I couldn't find it. But we ask questions. We mirror back what we think we heard the person say. We share what we're feeling as a result of what they said. That needs to become the normal way. That's to make every effort, means to engage, to invite conversation. You know, I think I probably didn't hear you right. Can you just say that again to me? There's no confrontation with that. It's just a welcoming of clarification. If you think you heard something offensive from someone that you wouldn't think should do that, like your spouse or your pastor, just ask. Can you say that again? Can you help me understand? I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing for all of us to do with one another. 
In the case where somebody has genuinely hurt you, which does of course happen, the appropriate response is still speak the truth in love. But the goal is not simply to get it off your chest or to make sure the person knows how much they hurt you. The goal, Jesus tells us, is reconciliation, a restored relationship with the person. In Matthew 18:15, Jesus says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Instead of following Jesus' advice for healed and mended relationships, too often, rather than going to the person who's hurt us, we go to others to tell them how this person has hurt us. And that's called gossip. And if we've misheard the person, and we're telling someone else about it, what they said or did, and they really didn't say or do that, then it's slander. Both of which divide and hurt and shred. And so what Paul and Jesus are encouraging and welcoming us is to maturity, godly relationships, going to the person, asking questions, mirroring what you've heard or experienced with the goal of a restored relationship. That works. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's easier to withdraw, harbor offense, and talk about people to others instead of going to them. But that's not the godly thing. It's not the helpful thing. It won't lead us into Healthful relationships. Our goal, keep in mind, is living a connected life. Experiencing friendships. And Paul, in these three verses, has given to us very simple statements, declarations of the way we need to relate to one another. And as you read through the Bible on your devotional times, you're going to bump into these. There's lots of these passages that give very clear suggestions of how we should relate and how we shouldn't relate to one another. And I would encourage you, stop when you get there. Consider, Lord, is there something here that I need to work on? Is there something here that's happening in my life? That's what the Word of God is for. It's to help us. It's a part of the Holy Spirit's work and His tool to speak to us and to teach us about all things. So one last time, let's take a moment. I'd like you to think about someone who you currently relate to who has said or done something that's hurt you but you have not gone to them to talk through the situation if you've not already asked God to help you forgive them then I want you to start with that this afternoon Paul says in Colossians 3:13, if anyone has a complaint against another forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you so you giving the hurt to God in this way enables us to often be able to go to the person in love. So if you have someone in mind who you currently are relating to who has said or done something that's hurt you but you've not gone to them to talk through the situation, I want to pray a prayer with you. And I want you to listen to what I'm going to invite you to pray with me first so that you can do it with integrity. So just listen for a moment. This is the prayer I'd like to welcome us to consider praying. God, thank you for forgiving me all my sins. Thank you that you are available to help me to forgive. In Jesus' name, I choose to forgive. And then you put the person's name there in the blank. You're going to do this in your mind and in your heart, not out loud. We don't want any public confessions right now out here. In Jesus' name, I choose to forgive. Put their name for. And in your mind, identify what was the hurt. What did they say or do that hurt you? Even though it made me feel... And just come, just recognize and acknowledge the painful feelings that you had. And then, God, I no longer hold what they said or did to me against them. I release them in Jesus' name from any guilt or shame. I ask you to bless and then say their name. And then finally, Father, I also ask that you would remove from my heart and mind any bitterness or judgment against, name the person in your heart, and help me to go to this person and share with them in love what I experienced. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a great prayer. It engages a lot of elements of healing and health that we need to consider. I've got it up here on the screen. If you have someone in your mind that you're currently relating to who has hurt you and you haven't yet dealt with it, then I would welcome you. Pray this prayer with me. Maybe it's somebody from the past that you've attempted on numerous occasions. It's okay. Jesus tells us that we need to forgive lots of times. 
because people do a lot of things that need forgiving and because it comes up in our mind and hearts lots of times. And each time it does, he invites us and welcomes us to forgive. So would you just quietly in your heart consider that person and pray this prayer with me, just in your heart and mind. God, thank you for forgiving me all my sins. Thank you that you are available to help me to forgive. In Jesus' name, I choose to forgive for even though it made me feel God, I no longer hold what they said or did to me against them. I release them in Jesus' name from any guilt or shame. I ask you to bless. Father, I also ask that you would remove from my heart and mind any bitterness or judgment against. And help me to go to this person and share with them in love what I experienced from them. In Jesus' name, amen. The last step, of course, is that you do meet with the person. Jesus suggested you do this alone so that it's not to bring others in unnecessarily. However, what we have found in ministry over 30 years is that sometimes it can be helpful to have somebody there to help. We call that role facilitator. Um, I needed that this week in a relationship. It's nothing wrong with that, needing that support. There are times where this is so new, it's so uh, not well learned that it is helpful to have support. One of the thing, exercises that uh, Claire and I have learned um, initially in marital relationships but now use it in all relationships is what I highlighted and mentioned earlier, this exercise called mirroring. One of the things, is we've, as I said earlier, is that we uh, so often mishear one another. You know, Somebody talks for 5, 10, 15 minutes and we're supposed to have consumed and and taken in everything they said, and then you know give a response you know that's appropriate, and and we just if if emotions are up or if if it's a difficult topic, that's just really going to be challenging. And so Claire and I often, uh, even in our own uh, relationship, uh, we'll be sharing on a Monday night on our date night. We'll be talking about various things. We'll bump into something, and we one of us will say, you know what? I think we need some mirroring here. We just need to slow this thing down. We're not hearing each other. Because I know that she likes me, and I know I like her, but right now I'm not feeling that. No, right now I am, but in those kind of settings. Yeah. And so I would just encourage you that it is appropriate to learn to speak the truth in love. Paul welcomes us. He encourages us. He wants us. In fact, he begs us. He implores us to live our lives in a way that's aligned with our calling. This is how Jesus lived, and it's how he wants us to live. Okay, I think? Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. I just would, uh, right now, just want to pause, and um, we've got a few extra minutes. And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to uh, give any uh, direction, uh, leadership for um, this time, these moments, just welcome him here. My heart and my desire would be that we would um, hear his voice and know what the Father's doing, that we could partner with it. Some of you have come in uh, this afternoon with uh, just real significant concerns, significant challenges. Some of you have come in with great um, praises and reports of great things God's doing. Those are good to share too. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. Take us beyond the simple words of the page. Take us beyond the uh, simple understandings of living our lives, Lord, into a connection with you, to where you reach down into our very inner beings. We welcome you 
to share here now. What are those needs? What are those concerns that you would like to highlight today to bring a greater healing and freedom and life to those present? Come, Holy Spirit. Sensing that the Lord, um, you know, um, just had a sense that some of you have been in relationships and they're abrasive and they hurt, you know, and so it kind of feels like, okay, you had this wreck and you've been scraped against the cement and you get up and you, you know, if you've ever done a motorcycle wreck, you're a little more shy to get on that motorcycle after a significant wreck. So I think that uh, I just had a sense that some of you have had some wrecks in your relationship and it's pretty abrasive and hurts and you're a little afraid to activate um, some of the stuff that Randy's talking about mentioning here. And I feel like the Lord said, you know, um, he ordains marriage and family and church for significant places for relationship and learning how to do these things. So if you're not married and you don't have a family that does it well, maybe because you don't live with them or you're living with them and it's kind of scary, that um, he provides also the church as an avenue to learn how to do this. Word of encouragement that you don't need to do this alone, that there's a family of God here. And if you're not in a community group, that is really a good place to have wrecks and have people around you learn to work them out, you know, because we're committed to growing. And no one's going to just say, you know, you're not valuable enough to try to work this out. So anyway, I, I, I think it's a word of encouragement. I, I know a, a lot of you here are committed to community groups and some of you aren't. And I really want to encourage you to consider that as a place where you can learn in a safe community of people to learn how to do this. And um, often I have been used to be a mediator for people. The thought of going to that person who I was hurt, wow, you know, that was a wreck. Why do I want to do that again? That wouldn't be very safe. And so your leaders in your community group can help you to mediate in those conversations to make it a more safe place for you. And um, so I just want to encourage you in that. You're not alone. Even if you're not married and even if you don't have a family here, you have the body of Christ. We, we are part of God's solution to growing up together. So that was, that's what I was sensing, just a word of encouragement. Thank you. Okay, I'm looking at some of my key leaders. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of other things myself. One was very parallel to what Clara shared, uh, that some of you are currently in uh, situations, very difficult situations, where uh, these, these simple concepts, as we might describe them, feel huge. And um, I believe that the Father would like us to pray for you if you're in some of those tonight, after when we close the service and welcome those to come up. Some of you are in very challenging relationships right now and are overwhelmed by how do I make it through this. And then a second kind of person is someone who, uh, as I've been sharing these things, is fairly easily able to sort of identify what went wrong in the past and feeling some shame about that. And again, I think the Father would want to minister comfort and care to you. Jesus paid for everything that we ever did wrong or that anyone ever did wrong against us on the cross. There's nothing that was left out of the covering of his blood. But sometimes we need someone to come alongside and weep with us when we're mourning over hurts, challenges from the past, failures from the past. So I'd be a second kind of person as well. And then one that just popped into my head. One of the challenging relationships in our day and age, of course, are teen parent. We've got a few of those people here, but not lots um, here. But I I would acknowledge that um, these same principles 
um, need to be applied in those kinds of relationships. The idea of coming and sharing and speaking the truth and love, what's going on, what's happening inside of us. Sometimes kids, teenagers will feel like they don't have, an op- they don't have a, a place to have a voice. I learned this week uh, from a good friend um, the phrase, I have a voice and I have a choice. And uh, many of us need to learn uh, that element of speaking the truth and love. And that doesn't look like just yelling back. That's not what it looks like. Um, but it does involve. And so I, parents, uh, uh, the, the ball's really to a great degree in your court uh, to uh, welcome and invite your kids. Uh, I remember an exercise Claire and I uh, used a number of years ago when we first got uh, connected with a ministry called Intimate Life Ministries up in Austin that we've continued to have support and help from. And uh, one of the exercises <coughs> excuse me, was to, and this will be the last thing unless somebody else has something, was to make a list of all the ways that I have hurt my spouse or, in our case, and when we went home to do this with our children. And we prepare the list as the parent of and reflect and welcome the Holy Spirit to just give us understanding and thought. What are the ways, times, circumstances where we have hurt our children? To share those with them in each case, allowing them to um, clarify that moment, say something about it, and then ask for forgiveness. And then the scary part is, at the end of that, you welcome them now to share things that you didn't bring up on your list. But it's a wonderful thing. I remember when we did that with our daughters uh, quite a few years ago. And uh, there were issues and circumstances, things that Claire and I were not aware of. And I remember, you know, just crying, sobbing with um, sadness at having hurt our kids that way. So parents, I would just welcome you. Those of you who have little ones, you can't do it a lot with them yet. But you, there, it will, you'll have opportunities uh, to do that. Okay, I guess we'll just close the service. Father, thank you for uh, your love and care. Thank you that you work with us, that you're willing to engage us, uh, speaking the truth in love. Um, And it's perfect love that you speak to us. And so I just thank you for that. And welcome you to help us to develop the kinds of relationships where the world would be jealous of what we have with one another. And I believe that is your heart. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. And yet, sadly, Lord, we don't see that in the church as much as you would like. And so I welcome you to come and cleanse us, to come and cleanse me, heal me, Lord, use me. Help us to become a people who will welcome one another, forgive, bearing with one another in love, And speaking the truth in love as well. For those, Lord, who are hurting right now, I just welcome you to uh, nudge them to come join uh, someone up here to pray with. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. And look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Have a great week.